Let me ask you a question. When, when I invited you to reflect on that I am statement, what came up for you? I am love. Grateful. I am grateful. Enough. I am enough. Very good. I am blessed. I am peaceful. I am peaceful. I am the resurrection and the life. I am possibility. Let's start there. I am possibility. Excellent. This, this month we are exploring this theme, I am limitless. So often our focus is on our limitations. Let me, let me say, so often my focus is on my limitation, my weakness, my inability, what I cannot do. And this, this theme invites us to a new way of seeing ourselves and the world, invites us into a new way of being. All spiritual paths, all religious teachings have at their core an idea that we might be renewed and refreshed. And this theme, I am limitless, reminds us of that. I think for me, it invites me to remember that in every moment, new possibilities are present. We'll be called to places we did not know we needed to go and see things we never thought we'd see. Fifty years ago, Martin Luther King put out a call for church leaders and communities of faith to go to Selma to march for civil rights, for voting rights. There was a young Catholic priest, Henry Nowen, who was studying at the Menninger Clinic in Kansas. His year of study was interrupted in the spring of 65 when King called people to come and marched from Selma to Montgomery. It was a tense time. Violence had occurred on the Edmund Pettus Bridge in in the earlier march, and Henry Nowen was caught in indecision. He was learning a lot at the Menninger Clinic. He had his work that he loved. He was not from the United States. He didn't care much for demonstrations. But he said that in his spirit there was a restlessness, a gnawing question, a fierce conviction. Why aren't you in Selma? He said he could think of a hundred reasons to not go down for a couple of days. But the question could not be put aside. Have you been visited by questions that will not be put aside? And he says on March 28th, a Sunday at 11 p.m., he got into his Volkswagen and left Topeka. The endless roads of Kansas awaited. And he says in that moment, a remarkable change took place. The restlessness disappeared and a deep abiding sense of certainty took its place. A strong determination. When you move towards your heart's desire, your deepest calling, the limitlessness appears. The possibility appears. The restlessness is transformed into determination. Whatever that calling is, whatever that possibility is, you begin to bless yourself and the world. Here's how my colleague Rebecca Parker puts it. Your gifts, whatever you discover them to be, can be used to bless or curse the world. The mind's power, the strength of the hands, the reaches of the heart, 
the gift of speaking, listening, imagining, seeing, waiting. Any of these can serve to feed the hungry, bind up wounds, welcome the stranger, praise what is sacred, do the work of justice, or offer love. Any of these can draw down the prison door, hoard bread, abandon the poor, obscure what is holy, comply with injustice, or withhold love. You must answer this question, what will you do with your gifts? Choose to bless the world. The choice to bless the world is more than an act of will, a moving forward into the world with the intention to do good. It's an act of recognition, a confession of surprise, a grateful acknowledgement that in the midst of a broken world, unspeakable beauty, grace, and mystery abide. There is an embrace of kindness that encompasses all life, even yours. And while there is injustice, there moves a holy disturbance, a benevolent rage, a revolutionary love, protesting, urging, insistence, that which is sacred will not be defiled. Those who bless the world live their life as a gesture of thanks for this beauty and the rage. The choice to bless the world can take you into solitude, to search for the sources of power and grace, native wisdom, healing, and liberation. More, the choice will draw you into community. The endeavor shared, the heritage passed on, the companionship of struggle, the importance of keeping faith, the life of ritual and praise, the comfort of human friendship, the company of earth, the chorus of life welcoming you. None of us alone can save the world. Together, this is another possibility waiting. From Kansas to Oklahoma, from Oklahoma to Arkansas, from Arkansas to Louisiana, from Louisiana to Mississippi, Mississippi to Alabama. In Vicksburg, Mississippi, now one came upon a black man on the side of the road. My prayers have been answered, he said when now one pulled over to pick him up. God has heard my prayer. I've been standing here for hours and no one would pick me up, but God sent you as an angel. I made a cross in the sand and prayed that someone would pick me up, and here you are. It'd be quite remarkable to hear this story from Charlie's perspective, because how often are we Charlie? How often are we in a position where we're bound and determined to get somewhere, and we don't know how we might do it? If anything, will turn for us so that we might be on our way. And what does Charlie do? He prays. He stands there. He stakes his place in the world, and he waits. If I've learned anything about unity in this year, year and a half of working with you all, being introduced to you all, um, discovering with you all this, this uh, wonderful tradition, I've learned that prayer matters. Prayer changes us and the world. There is a reason at the end of every week in the children's house, we pray the prayer of protection the same one we pray over here. Over the course of the drive from Vicksburg to Selma, Charlie told Henry Nouwen about his life, his five arrests while demonstrating and marching with thousands of others, the brutal murder of his friend and leader, Medgar Evers, the civil rights champion, the man of courage. Henry Nouwen says, Charlie was making him see a new thing, opening his eyes, opening his heart, 
I felt as if I were becoming a black man, Henry Nowen said, which I take to mean that his empathy and his connectedness were so dialed in that everything looked new. They made it to Selma. They sang, they cried, they heard more stories, they walked. They joined up with others. And who was there? God's fools, the remnants, the leftovers, the dreamers, the young, the old, the artist with red hair and sparkling eyes, beatniks. Have you heard that word in a while? (laughs) The conscientious objectors, the pacifists, the ministers, the idealists, God's witnesses. God's witnesses. How are we called to be God's witnesses in the world? The beautiful thing about this idea that I am limitless is that it means that everyone else is too. No one has a corner on the market of being limitless, right? But some people do seem to catch that energy, don't you think? Some people here in this community, you can sense it in their being. You can feel it when you're in their presence. There is a wellspring of beautiful energy in your life. How many times have you felt it? What was it like? When you are open, you feel it. When you're closed, you don't. It's got many names. Spirit, the breath of God. doesn't matter what you call it. Call it what you will. It's that feeling that rushes up in your heart when you fall in love. It's that transformation when the spirit of restlessness is changed into determination. It's that feeling when you write a prayer in the sand and wait and wait, and finally the answer to your prayer appears, sometimes in the form of a priest in an old Volkswagen, stopping by the road to pick you up. The Spirit is inside you. The energy is inside you. You should know about this energy because it's yours. It's your birthright. There's nothing more unity than that, right? It is your birthright. It is your birthright. And here's the beautiful thing. It really is unlimited. Whoever you are, whatever your hoped-for destination. Here's how Charles Fillmore says it. God is a mighty stream of substance, and you're a tributary of that stream. Amen? A channel of expression. The idea is that the more you become aware of that substance and your place in it, the more you will bless it and the more you'll be blessed by it. Your groundedness will be in that substance. Jesus kept saying, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's always available to you. It's not far away. If it were under the sea, only the fishes could get it. If it were up in the sky, only the birds could get it. That's not how it works. Look within, Jesus said. There it is, a never-ending supply of kingdomness. Or as my wife likes to say, kinship. Family, the family of God, the kinship of God is at hand, is within, unlimited. It's the source of that enthusiasm, the source of that call, the source of that love and determination, the beloved community. All God's people got a place in the choir. So now and went on with that a couple of days. The song went on, the march went on, the rain fell, the tension was high. He met more and more people. A remarkable thing he says about this couple of days in Selma. Everywhere he looked, food was available. No matter how many people were about, there was always food. He said it was an amazing lesson in abundance. 
He gave another fellow, Ronald, a ride back. They stopped at Ronald's relatives somewhere in Tennessee, and they were received like princes, he said. Let's pray, first thing, Ronald's grandmother said. And then she put them to bed, and the next morning there was a table full of food for them. As as they were saying their goodbyes, Ronald said to Henry, I met an old man in Selma, and he told me this. He said, do you want to know my philosophy of life? Ronald said to the old man, of course. He said with determination in his voice, risk in faith. Risk in faith. Decide in hope and suffer the consequences in love. Right? Risk in faith, decide in hope, and suffer the consequences in love. Now and went back to Kansas and the Menninger Clinic. He ended up teaching at Notre Dame and Yale, and he wrote a bunch of books. He spent the last years of his life taking care of disabled people in a community called L'Arche. We don't know what happened to Charlie. I don't know what happened to Charlie. We know King's story. And, you know, this week I was, I was reading some of King's papers. And um, early in the Civil Rights Movement, King wrote to a ministerial colleague, And he said, I want to share with you my vision, and I want to ground it in the deepest values, he said. Nonviolence, democracy, and the Christian idea that all people are endowed with dignity. When we consider the limitlessness of all humanity, we'll see that we're grounding our ideas and our lives in our deepest values and commitments, all people and everywhere. One last story for you. This week I walked in, you know, I work at a hospital um, during the week. And I walked into a room, and there was a man about 100 years old. And he had a German accent, I noticed. And um, we talked, his wife was there. And he said, I came over to America early when I was a child. And when World War II hit, I joined the U.S. Army. And he said, one day our company got off track. We were behind enemy lines. It was raining heavily. We hadn't changed our clothes in like 30 days, he said. They were in desperate need of some cover. So they came upon this partially bombed out building with a basement that was a perfect place to hide and regroup. And he says that night, as they were resting, he saw a man walking with a lantern. And something called to him and said, I've got to check this out. He was not afraid. He knew German. And he looked at the man, and the man said to him, help, help, my, my, my wife is delivering a baby. It's not going well. And the soldier went back to the basement, put down his arms, got a medic, and they walked three, four miles to this man's house. And they helped him deliver that little baby. I saved three lives, he said to me with a smile. I saved three lives. That man's, his wife, and that baby. He did not see an enemy. He did not see someone different. He saw a human being with unlimited potential in need of help, and he did what he could to assist him. I love that story because it's all about courage and seeing anew. I love the Nowen story. It's all about courage and seeing anew. When we see that I'm unlimited and you're unlimited and all life is unlimited, we have new eyes to see and a new life to live.